This is Anthony Pascal. And this is Lori Elster. And this is the All Access Star Trek podcast. We have a lot of news to talk about today, with a big focus, obviously, on the new teaser trailer for Star Trek Picard Season 2 and all the new images and character information we got for Prodigy. But first, we just wanted to let you guys know we did make a promise last week that we are not quite fulfilling yet. Right, Tony? Yeah, so we said Mark Altman was going to be the guest on our next podcast, and that's still true. He's going to be the guest on our next podcast. <laughs> now it's true. Now it's true. It's <laughs> next week. So um, so there's still time time for that. But uh, in the meantime, you can still go to the Kickstarter for the 1982 documentary he's working on, which will have a lot of Star Trek II stuff in it. And speaking of movies, uh, we have a quick follow-up from something last week. So we talked about how Paramount Plus was expanding their library of movies. They added a 1,000 movies last week. At the time of last week's podcast, we didn't know how many Star Trek movies would end up there. Now we know that as of now, there's 11 out of 13. So they are definitely going for all the Star Trek movies. Yeah. We were saying it sure would be nice if they got all of them. And now they have almost all of them. It's almost certainly the only reason they don't have to. And the two they don't have is the 2009 J.J. Abrams movie and 2013's Star Trek Into Darkness. I assume those are going to eventually show up. They are going to add another 1,500 movies or th- another 1,000. I forget. But by the end of the summer, they're shooting for 2,500. So we expect more. Well, Tony, you always understand the business side of these things. Like, So why would Star Trek Beyond be there but not those first two? Well, Star Trek Beyond, by the when they, they cut a deal with MGM, who had the rights to Beyond, which is why you see things like the latest James Bond movie and some other stuff in there um, because those were on epics and th- they had the rights, but I'm not sure who has the rights currently to Star Trek 2009 and into darkness. So they just weren't able to claw those back in time, but I'm sure they're working on it. The big question is, are there people they've sold? Cause these rights rotate and, you know, so does someone have the streaming rights to these movies for 2022? So next year, are they going to, leave and then come back so you know eventually i think they want to have not just star trek but all the mission impossible movies because they don't have all of those yet they have the first few but not the latest ones and it's so but i think that they are definitely moving towards getting all of the paramount franchises in paramount plus which of course makes sense what i'm hoping for is they start building franchise hubs which disney does and you know, but I think they should just start with Star Trek now. It is as big as the Smithsonian Channel. From the, if you look at a totality of content, I think Star Trek is as big as Smithsonian or MTV or the other big hubs they have. No, it makes total sense because it's also that audience is going to be interested in everything. It's it's a smart move. They should just do it. As we were talking about movies, we got a little bit of interesting information from a Noah Hawley interview that was about something else entirely. Um, And as most people know, he had a Star Trek movie that was, you know, we thought it was pretty ready to go, but it turns out that it was a lot more ready to go. (laughs) You know, the quick context is two years ago in 2019, after things fell apart with Beyond sequel that was supposed to have Chris Hemsworth, Paramount reached out to Noah Hawley, who's, you know, Emmy winner and kind of a hot writer, director. And 
he had a take on Star Trek and they tapped him to make a Star Trek movie. And people were pretty excited about it because it seemed like he had the right sort of view of star- he wasn't looking at let's do big explosions. He was looking at storytelling and characters and taking things in a different direction. And almost certainly a lower budget, you know, not just a little lower. I, I think it was kind of a mid budget movie. Yeah. So not a small budget movie, but not a not as big as the the three previous J.J. Abrams. This wasn't going to be in the Kelvin verse. Um, so that happens in 2019. Then in summer 2020, shortly after uh, a new executive came in to take over Paramount's motion picture group, Emma Watts, she came over from Fox and she put a stop to the No Holly project. And now what we're finding out in this new interview is how far along he was. He said, you know, they had a production schedule. They were doing major casting and he was getting ready to go to Australia to start filming. Yeah. So this thing was much further along than we thought of. And he's kind of bummed <laughs> that the the way it happened. Although he did say that he was more surprised that he was actually, that he got as far as he did than he was when it was pulled. But I'm sure he was shocked when it was pulled. He points to Emma Watts coming in and he kind of paraphrases his, what he says is that she said, are you people crazy? This is an untested crew. This is an original idea. We don't know if this is going to work. Now, when, when she says an untested crew, she's not talking about, you know, a Starfleet, a Starfleet crew. She's a Hollywood right. person, yeah. you know. So, because it was his production company. He'd only made one movie, which was at Fox. <laughs> it came out the previous year and it was a, you know, it was a huge bomb. It's called Lucy in the Sky. It's about an astronaut and kind of going crazy. Um, Natalie Portman. And it... um it didn't do well. Critics didn't like it. And it did very badly at the box office. And I guess she looked at this and said, we're about to hand our biggest franchise or one of our biggest franchises. They kind of have to share Transformers uh, with Hasbro. So Star oh. Trek may be the biggest franchise. Um, maybe Mission Impossible these days is their biggest. But regardless, it sounds like she just didn't trust him with it. And she, you know, she wanted to put her own stamp on it. And this shows you how these kind of inside Hollywood things that if Wick Godfrey wasn't leaving Paramount and her coming in in the summer of 2020, they would have started production. And it, so if she joined just a few months because you don't stop something once production starts. That's just it would be too right. late. She couldn't stop it. You know, that's like the trains out of the, you know, the horses out of the barn. Um, it's too expensive to stop something once you start shooting. So she stopped it at kind of the last minute. You can stop something and not lose a ton of money, even though he probably did spend a good amount because if he got that far. So, you know, we'll never know. He talks about how he has to pour out a 40 for the movie that never was. <laughs> um, we don't know what it was. We know it might have had a pandemic angle to it, but I don't think that's the only reason when we we had Jeff Russo on this podcast a few weeks ago and he talked about how fan you know it would have blown the minds of fans so it sounds like a totally new original idea set at a kind of untold part of the Star Trek timeline so it wasn't a reboot it could have spawned more movies it could have stood on its own i'm hoping someday to get my hands on the script but it also kind of shows i mean the, the, maybe the good news is it shows that you know, the new management Paramount are like being very careful with Star Trek. It says like, we're like, why aren't they doing anything in Star Trek? It's because they don't want to screw it up, I guess. And 
you know, it's debatable whether he would have or not. Um, but right. I mean, there's so many different perspectives on what constitutes screwing it up and not screwing it up. Right. I mean, even the debate over the existing movie. So that's a t- it's a tough call. And if you're the head of a studio and you're just and you're mostly thinking money anyway. So screwing it up means I don't want to end the franchise. <laughs> yeah, um, there's there's a lot going on there. So as of now, where things are, we know that there's one movie being developed with Kalinda Vasquez mm-hmm. being tapped and there's a different movie. Paramount has actually put a untitled Star Trek movie on the schedule for June 2023, which is just two years away, guys. Two years away from an actual Star Trek movie in theaters. That one's being produced by J.J. It's called A Secret Project, and it's something to look forward to learning more about next year, probably. All right, let's move on to Star Trek on TV. So uh, there's news from four to five of the shows currently in production. I know, it's just like every week. I'm like, we're talking about like, there's this movie being made. There's these five shows. It's like, you know, we keep on forgetting how amazing this all is, yeah. but let's talk about the, the five shows. It's hard to believe. It really is hard to believe. So a little production update uh, on strange new worlds, uh, director, Amanda, Michael Rowe just sent out a nice little tweet showing one of those clapper boards showing that she'd started working on the eighth episode of Strange New Worlds. And that was last week. And everyone who's been posting, because we've been seeing a lot of tweets, uh, are, they're so excited. I mean, it's hard not to get excited when they're this excited. Right. There's some more you know, people visiting the set, who so a couple writers we didn't know about, one of whom is brand new to the scene, so she has no credits, uh, named Arita Johnson, but she's like super jazzed and it's a dream come true. To you know, be, you know, see her name on a chair in on a Star Trek set. But there's another writer joining as a supervising producer named Bill Walkoff, who has a lot of credits. Worked on Once Upon a Time, Star Wars Rebels, Tron Uprising. So a lot of animation, and he's the creator of uh, the animated series Kipo and the Age of Wonder Beasts. I confess that I loved Once Upon a Time. Super <laughs> dorky, but I really liked it. <laughs> Um, here's another. So there's a whole bunch of directors um, that have been there. A lot of women, which is really nice to see. But one name kind of struck me, which was Leslie Hope, who is directing. But also, I Im- immediately remembered her because she played uh, Jack Bauer's wife on 24, <laughs> season one. But she also <laughs> played Kira's mom on Deep Space Nine. Wow. Now that is a deep Star Trek connection there. Interesting. Yeah, and uh, it was Wrongs Darker Than Death or Night, I think it was that episode was called. But yeah, so she's got some good uh, Star Trek cred, and she's been directing for quite a while. We don't know all the directors for the 10 episodes, but it is clear they're doing 10 directors, it, fe- it looks like. All the directors that we know of are women, except for the first episode, which is being directed by Akiva, who's the you know, co-creator and showrunner and wrote the first episode. So, you know, he, he wanted to get the pilot off. Um, but it's possible that the rest of the season's all women. People are asking, what about Frakes? When I interviewed Frakes last year, he, he said, yes, I'm doing Discovery. Yes, I'm doing uh, Picard. And he's doing multiple episodes of both. I'm not sure he could fit in Strange New Worlds because of, especially for Discovery, he had to quarantine. I know I was thinking... He- he could go right because while he's still there, he could have gone to the other one. But if he didn't, 
even though it takes two weeks to shoot, you've got two weeks of quarantine, you've got prep time, you've got shooting time, then you've got editing time. And the, the director tends to kind of pay attention for the first few weeks of the direct of editing and then kind of then is less involved, but it's, it's a good chunk of time to, you know, each director uh, for these shows, it's at least a couple months. So if he's doing four episodes across those two shows, that's, you know, up to eight months of work. So I'm not sure he, you know, strange new world is going to get, you know, on his calendar this year, but I wouldn't be surprised if he showed up for season two. Yeah. They'll want him. Everybody wants him. Yeah. Yeah. It's not a spoiler, but Christina Chong, who's one of the new cast members of the show, uh, also showed up on social media after not being there for a while. And she said uh, that this week she's shooting the most epic episode of strange new world. So whatever they're doing now is apparently not as epic, epic as what she's doing. <laughs> well, no, this was last week. So this oh, okay. week is the ep- epic week. So I guess this last week epic. wasn't so epic. Right. I think ep- episode eight is the epic week is the so, epic. Yeah. So skip episode seven. No, we're just kidding. Watch it all. <laughs> so that's it for strange new worlds. We're going to move on. Cause there's so much stuff going on. Oh my God. You got anything else on Strange New Worlds? No, I think we should go to Discovery. All we've got on Discovery this week is Tig Notaro, who we're both big fans of, Jet Reno. So we've recently talked about how she was in Toronto shooting, and we kind of think she's shooting. She They tried to squeeze multiple episodes into her short stint in Toronto and maybe spread those around the season. So she's now back in L.A. She showed up on Conan's show. And uh, she also did an interview with Metro Weekly and talked a bit about Discovery. And she said she just didn't, because this is now her third season that she's on the show. And she didn't expect it to go past two episodes, but they keep on asking for more. Yeah, well, she's a lot of fun. I can see why they're asking. And she also said that um, Alex told him, promised her that they won't kill Jet Reno. So there can always so that character will always somehow exist i mean it is a weird it's not a weird thing for an actor to come in and out like that but in terms of a character that we just don't see and then when we do see her she's quite essential to all the scenes that she's in it's a little challenging i mean i love jet reno but they in a way painted themselves into a bit of a corner here right because they've Essentially, I don't know if they've ever said it, but she she's a commander. She definitely appears to be the chief engineer. I mean, who else is the chief engineer? Because it's not Stam, it's his scientist. People constantly confuse that. There's many times where you need the chief engineer for a plot point. But she has said she's going to do as much as discovery she can. But, you know, she doesn't always want to fly up to Toronto. And even though she lo- loves doing the show, she has a lot of great things to say, especially about how representation works on the show. She still considers herself a comedian first an actor second, even though she's now kind of having a moment because of the army of the dead on Netflix and stuff like that. And they're just never going to get as much of her as they want. And they need to figure out a way to work around that. I guess, you know, I'm glad I want them to keep her as a character, but sometimes I worry like, they need a, you know, maybe they need a another engineer character or something. Yeah, I agree. I mean, it's like, right, it's fine from a production standpoint, but from a, you know, in-universe standpoint, it starts to get weird. 
Of course, Star Trek has always done this, and and Discovery does this too, where they conflate engineers and scientists, right? You know, which are two very different disciplines. But apparently, any scientist could like build a warp drive in their basement, you know, um, and any engineer can theorize about anything, you know. But they're very different disciplines. Although I did love what they did with her when we first met her in season two, and she was using her engineering knowledge. Um, to keep people alive, like rigging things up as an engineer, but they were all medical, which was a sort of more legit kind of crossover. So there is no news this week on Lower Decks. So I think the rest of our television stuff will focus on Prodigy and Picard. Let's start with Prodigy. They released a lot of stuff. No footage, but lots of stills, details on characters, and very exciting information about some of the species that we're seeing, right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, stuff that we were hoping for, stuff that we are surprised about. I mean, the big news was that Kate Mulgrew is coming back, um, and then it was revealed, as we kind of guessed, that she's going to play a hologram. So, but the show is about these kids who find the Starfleet ship, and a few months ago, we got a picture of the kids. They're kind of aliens and interesting characters, but. We knew nothing about them until this week. And now we know we have character names and descriptions. So let's, let's do a quick kind of rundown of the six alien kids. And I'm, you know, when I say kids, I mean, they are literally kids. Let's just go in order. Let's start with one that you were hoping for and you got what you wanted, right? Yes. The big rock thing in the overalls. <laughs> Turns out to be a girl. I'm very excited. I was because I thought the overalls might rule out the whole girl thing because there was no shirt with the overalls. But anyway, it's a rock thing, so who cares? Um, is a, is an eight year old girl, which is interesting. Who loves animals? <laughs> and the character's name is Rock Talk R O K dash T A H K. Or she's voiced by uh, Riley Alizraki, who's the daughter of Carlos Alizraki. And there's the, I wasn't familiar with the species, but apparently it's a deep cut from one of the novels. Right. Well, a lot of people like, you know, we joked like maybe it's some, some weird situation where it was like a horda, but there's definitely some kind of rock thing going on. Um, and it's a character with a kind of on the nose species name, Brickarians from the planet <laughs> Brickar. The race originated in a Peter David novel. A series of novels. First, the Starfleet Academy series, where there was a major character who kind of was a someone that Worf dealt with. There was a kind of a confrontation with Worf, but it's a very positive character that eventually went on the Star Trek New Frontier novel series. So she's not one of the rock creatures from Star Trek Five, is what you're telling. No, me. that was yeah. <laughs> I was holding that. That was what that was something I was holding out hope for. <laughs> um, but she is tied to, you know, to Star Trek canon or, or actually beta canon. So now right. she's actual canon. So they're now canonizing precarians, which is pretty exciting stuff. And you know, when you, because now they've sent out these high resolution pictures and there's a shot of her with welding goggles doing some welding. And you can see how there's more feminine facial features so we're getting a lot more nuance to these characters when we're getting them closer up than that one image, including some of the coloration. And you know, I have to say everything we're seeing is just really the CGI. It's beautiful and expensive. Like, I mean, I love Lower Decks, but and they spent a lot of money too. 
but it's it's you can now see why the show is taking so long because every image they sent out oh is yeah exquisite and expensive you can it tell. looks like a particularly gorgeous painstaking graphic novel like it's really beautiful i think this next character is called doll d-a-l and if if you remember the images that they've sent out, there's kind of a, a, a kind of a guy character, young kid, uh, blue with spiky hair. So Doll is described as a 17 year old. It's an unknown species, and it says that he fancies himself a maverick who, even in the toughest time, holds strong onto his unwavering hope. All right, so optimistic dude. By the way, I'm wondering, you know, I, I think it, it's a little weird that in the press release they referred to a couple of these characters having unknown species. And because there's one character where they have a new species, which we'll get to in a, in a while. So I'm wondering, like, what do they mean unknown? Like unknown to us or unknown, or unknown to-, to them? <laughs> Yeah, like like yeah. it's like maybe all these kids show up in this alien prison and they don't know anything about themselves, right? They're like, "What are you?" And maybe he's like, "I don't know. <laughs> I'm just me." You know, like you know, I may be reading too much into it, but I thought that was strange wording. Yeah, like, why aren't they telling us? You know, they're showing what other races are, but they're not telling us a couple of characters' races. Like it's a big secret, and I don't think they're tied to anything in canon. They are literally unknown new races. I assume it's um, something that'll just be revealed on the show, and they don't want to say it now. But it does. Yeah, it seems like a strange but deliberate choice. Now, there's a character. So, a lot of images that that we're seeing. We've seen a couple images with two characters next to each other, um, which is a boy character and a girl character. And we thought that they might like be brother and sister because they looked very similar in previous images. But we're now seeing that they're actually different races. And even though she looked blue in some of the other images, she has a more tan complexion. And her, that her character name is Gwyn. And she now they gave a name for her species. It's called the Vaunacot. Yes, and uh, she's voiced by Ella Purnell. And but it still seems like they're because a lot of images shows them together, so they seem to be buddies. And they're both seventeen. And they're both seventeen. You know, in 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 her in her case, they say you know she was raised on her father's bleak mining planet. And grew up dreaming of exploring the stars. Who didn't grow up dreaming of exploring the stars, I ask you. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, no, that's, yep, that's all we know about her. But sounds kind of interesting. She'll have a lot of good background. The one I'm really interested in is the, is Zero the Medusin, which was in a, we always, we kept calling it the robot. Um, just from looking at the pictures. But it's actually a Medusin from the original series who in the original series lived in a box. Right. Poor, yeah. Poor guy. Well, now, now if you remember a few podcasts ago, I think I said, maybe it's not a robot. Maybe it's an energy creature. I do and now remember. Kind of, I'm now kind of regretting that I didn't take that. Cause one of the um, Hageman brothers who created the show had talked about how there's a deep cut in one of the characters, you know, tied to the original series. I guess that's a deep cut. I mean, well, I kept on looking at the other character. I, di- I didn't think it was, but I should have thought 
energy creature original series. How many energy creatures are there? I mean, there are a few, but Medusin seems to be a you know a nice match. So yeah, how many um, were in a box? Not that many. Right. But it showed that they understood that they needed to contain themselves. And there was the glowing light coming out of what is, you know, I guess a little portal on, you know, so there were, there were, there were clues that, you know, I could have put it together. I feel I'm kicking myself for not putting this one together. I'm going to blame you too. No, I'm just kidding. I don't blame you. It's a weird, it's a strange one to bring up, but I, what I like about it is that it's um, a genderless character, which is interesting, right? We don't have a lot of those. It's non-corporeal. Well, the, the big question is, are we going to see those goggly things? The, the visor right. <laughs> that protects people, which even when I was 10 did not make a whole lot of sense. Well, I guess when Zero's wearing the containment suit, th- those aren't necessary. But, you know, does right. Zero ever come out of the suit? And uh, I assume we'll probably see something like that. And aren't the, they great the navigators? Wasn't that part of the thing about Medusans? Yeah. Yeah, they were like the galaxy's best navigators or something like that. So that will uh, come in handy. They didn't actually provide an age for Zero, even though they've described the crew as being all kids. So in this case, we don't know what, you know, if there's an age. But No, and we don't know the lifespan of a Medusan. So we don't know, you know, maybe a Medusan kid is 50. Like that other franchise. <laughs> Another connection to the original series is for the character name. So there's a character that we've all seen that's kind of a squat, you know, let's face it, kind of rotund character that some people were thinking was a Talaxian. Other people were thinking it was possibly a Tellarite. And those other people are correct. It is a Tellarite. Or he is a Tellarite named Jankum Pog. They've changed a lot. They always change. Every time we see Tellarites, they look a little bit different. But the one thing they like to keep is make them a a little bit belligerent, like they like to argue. And it sounds like that is definitely going to be there (laughs) for this one. And the voice, I actually don't know how to pronounce his name, but it's it's a famous person. Who does a lot of voices on? It's uh, Jason Manzukis. Thank you, Jason Manzukis. I mean, I know him from The Good Place, and I think he's he's done. Um, I think he was on Brooklyn Nine Nine, which I don't watch. He's on that. He, he's and then he also does a lot of voice work, so you'll recognize his voice. He's on Big Mouth, which is the Netflix thing. He's on uh, another Paramount Plus series, which is now animated. It actually used to be live action called no activity so he's been around and it and he's definitely right for a confrontational character i mean what's interesting is they showed him wearing those kind of overalls it looks like he's kind of an engineering guy but then the they showed rock talk doing some kind of welding so maybe she is also you know handy for that kind of stuff yep and then the last one is named murph 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 the Blue Blob. I think I already love Murph the Blue Blob. It's a great name for a blob. Yeah. Right? Now, this is Murph, M-U-R-F. This is another age and species unknown. Um, But Murph is described as an endearing, indestructible blob. Sold. With with curiosity, good timing, and insatiable appetite for ship parts. I think it's with curiously good timing. Which is different from curiosity and good timing. Curiously good timing raises some questions. Why oh, like is Murph's thinking, timing so curious? Telepathic, something like that? Possibly. Like you could sense. 
Now, what do you think the insatiable appetite for shit parts? I mean, do you think that means he's eating things that we need? (laughs) (laughs) Right. Like stop eating the self-sealing stem bolts. Or just everywhere they go, grabs ship parts. Right. Like he he collects them. I'm thinking he eats them. He like dissolves them. It's more fun. I love a good blob character. I'm very excited. Murph is voiced by D. Bradley Baker, who you may or may not know if you know, but he's super prolific. You know, he's SpongeBob. He he voices all the clones on Clone Wars. I mean, if you're a fan of animation, you know his. Uh, although he's a man of many voices, so he whereas Jason Mitsukas is basically the same everywhere he goes. He just does the same voice. Um, D. Bradley Baker is one of those voice actors that has a wide variety of voices so we don't know what he's gonna be like but he's he, very he very talented the, the clones on clone wars yeah every clone is oh, hit yeah oh that's fun then i do know that voice very well yeah but he does other yeah, he does other voices on clone wars he does other voices on lots of shows so you know the work he does on clone wars is very different than what he does on spongebob so we don't know what he's gonna sound <laughs> like but we know he knows what he's doing he's, i should hope it's very different but yes <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> totally different tone In addition to uh, the character reveals, they revealed eight images this week, four and then another four came out on Thursday. What I like about the ones that came out on Thursday is they showed a wide variety of alien locations. So there's no, in one of them you could, you see a couple characters, but in general, they're just different alien locations. There's like a um, one that shows a planet from space. It, I, we may be seeing the ship for the first time, but it's so small, you can't see anything. It's just it's a, a ship entering the, the clouds. Um, you know, there's a desert planet, there's a space station, and it just shows a wide variety of visuals, which I really like. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I'm excited for this show. I don't care that it's a kid's show. I'm just excited for it. I think it's going to be visually stunning. There is one shot that is almost certainly on the ship, probably on the bridge, because you could kind of, but it's it's very dark. It could be when they show up on the ship for the first time and it's dark, but you could see the outline of consoles and a bridge window. Um, maybe. But we still haven't seen the ship. That's kind of the big, that's the next big thing they need to show us is because this whole show is about them finding a ship where they find hologram Janeway. And we still don't know anything about the ship, the name of the ship, the type of the ship, except that it's a Starfleet ship. And we like our ships. So we're very interested to see what they decide to do and when they're going to tell us about it. I mean, in general, judging from what we've seen from comments on our site, other sites, social media, fans, you know, even some skeptical fans are excited. I mean, the, 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 the quality, all of these deep cuts to the original series and Star Trek lore and the books, you know, I've yet to see people see something come out from this show and go, oh, that's got me worried. Everything's been good. Yeah. Even though this is a show for kids, you know, the, you know a lot of, you know, because it's still in the end. I don't watch a lot of Nickelodeon shows. I don't watch any Nickelodeon shows. So I, you know, the the storylines and stuff like that, I, you know, are going to be meant for kids and it is hard to get adults engaged in something like that. Although it's good to why I plan on watching it with kids because you kind of have to, I think for a show like this, right? 
I mean, I think one of the things that they've been talking about a lot and that Kate Mulgrew talks about a lot is the idea of, of multiple generations sitting and watching this show together. And I think that's, you know, they figure that's how to bring in everybody. And that's certainly in the marketplace, something that a lot of networks are working really hard on. Like that's like the Food Network. Half of their shows are designed specifically for that, for parents and kids to watch together. So that's a whole other sort of niche. And this is definitely their goal with this one. I hope young kids are going to like the show because they're not coming at this from a Star Trek perspective. They're coming at it like, like, hey, there's this new show and it's got these kids and it's supposed to be fun, you know. So that's the goal of the show is to bring in fresh new fans who know little to nothing about Star Trek. It, it needs to work for them. But uh, I'm excited and we're being prominent. You know, the Hagemans go, go on social media. All the writers show up on social media after this came out and they're all just saying all these great things. One noteworthy thing is, again, David Mack, who did work as a consultant on the first season, but is not is not the most effusive guy. He's a very serious guy. He's saying this is the best Star Trek show since Deep Space Nine. He's pretty much gushing. Which is not right. something he does. He's skipping a lot of shows, right? Because <laughs> yeah. there's yeah, the Voyager, Enterprise, all the new shows, including Lower Decks, which he also worked on. So that's very high praise. And what's what was fun is so he does that on social media. Then the Hageman brothers chime in and they make um, this reference to something called Chimerium, which is a super deep cut. Which I didn't even I had to look this up, but it's like this you know, precious metal that um, David Mack invented for one of his Starfleet Corps of Engineer books. So these people are playing with some deep Star Trek lore for sure. It's great. They're excited. They're playing. That's what they're supposed to be doing with the kids show, getting playful. All right. Should we move on to the big teaser trailer that came out? Yeah. I mean, the, the, what's amazing is that wasn't the big news of the week. <laughs> yeah. The big you news know? of the week. We thought that was the big news of the week. And then all of a sudden there was a season two teaser trailer for Picard that actually seemed to show some footage. Because it's Captain Picard Day on June 16th, if you didn't know, um, first celebrated in the episode Pegasus. <laughs> He's a role model. We've got First Contact Day, we've got Star Trek Day, which is the day the show premiered in September, and this is kind of the third Star Trek holiday of the year, right? Are there any other Star Trek holidays, or is that it? I like to think there are a lot of them, and I celebrate them all. And so Paramount Plus had a little surprise where they released a first... Now, this is the so the second teaser trailer, but the first one with actual footage from Season 2 of Picard, because they remember on First Contact Day, they released a teaser that kind of showed his room and his, his the chateau, no characters, and it was just all voiceover. Yeah. And we don't expect any of that footage to actually be in the show. It was, it was just a genuine teaser that kept on using the word time over and over again. Yes. This one shows actual footage, including John Delancey. And, you know, if you had, if you were, weren't sure if the show is going to deal with time travel, you know, that's out the window because they are, there's definitely some time travel going on. You right. think? You think? <laughs> <laughs> it's. It appears to be more, what it looks like it is, is an alternative timeline versus going back into the past or something like that. It looks like, what it looks like is, what if something totally different had happened? 
yeah, it's some kind of mashup of Tapestry, Yesterday's Enterprise, and All Good Things. It's it's just kind of a greatest hits of alternate time, time travel, what if, uh, dealing with regret situation. What's interesting here is that essentially the trailer, and I'm I'm assuming this is all from the first episode, sh- shows moments for each of our characters, starting with Picard, where they become aware they're not in Kansas anymore, as it were. Yes. They're not in the right timelines. They're all kind of freaking out a little bit over, oh my God, what's going on here? Um, which makes it different than something like yesterday's Enterprise, because none of them knew, only Guinan knew they right. were in the right. This is so this would be like yesterday's Enterprise, except suddenly Picard goes, you know, why does my uniform have a different collar and who turned off the lights? <laughs> And and so we see Picard kind of freaking out at the beginning, going, "What's going on?" You know, he's t- he's looking for Laris. Um, he's wearing a weird uniform, a black uniform with the weird Starfleet badge. You know, which you know we've seen this before. We haven't seen this before, but we've seen this kind of thing before, where there's something different. And some people think it's mirror universe. It's not. I, I'm almost ninety nine percent. It's not mirror universe. No, no, it's not because mirror the, universe. We know a lot about the 24th century mirror universe and it's not this, this is some other alternate timeline, uh, you know, a lot like, you know, like yesterday's enterprise was, um, but this isn't that either. I don't think this is yet another one, you know, um, you remember the episode parallels, there's lots of them out there. Yeah. You know, it's not the one where Riker's got the crazy beard, but it's it's one of them. <laughs> he appears to still be in Starfleet because he's still wearing a badge. And Q shows up. And so I think we're seeing the first moment where Q and Picard interact. Oh, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, and it's, it's you know, they play the hits. He says Mon Capitan and all that fun stuff. Yeah. He looks good, too. I mean, we'd seen lots of um, quarantine Delancey. In all of his cameos, and he got all nice and cleaned up good for the <laughs> to do Picard. <laughs> but they didn't. He he's he kept his little Van Dyke beard, yeah, trimmed white hair. He looks older. Um, I mean, maybe they'll do because everyone thought like maybe he'll show up for a couple seconds as old Q, and then he's going to age himself to make Picard feel more comfortable. Um. Because when Q shows up in the trailer, he says, oh, you know, you, you're older than I imagined you. They still might do that. I think they still might do it. Like there's a moment where he kind of yeah. goes old school Q, um, goes the judge's robes and everything. I mean, that would be fun, but it's I mean, not necessarily the robes, but he could be. He'll either be young Q for a second and then he'll transform or they'll save themselves the hassle and just have him say it where we yeah. don't see him, um, which would be a bit of a cop out, but also a better spending of money in my opinion is to take that money that you would have spent on de-aging him and just put it into something else. It's okay. Yeah. So there's, there's a series of scenes where we see all of our characters kind of finding themselves in these fish out of water things. You see Rios in the same uniform. He's on his ship. His ship is suddenly Starfleet because they've, I was just going to say, he seems very surprised to have a badge. It looks like they just turned La Serena into a Starfleet ship by adding some barrels in the background and giving them a new chair with a Starfleet logo on it or this alternate Starfleet logo. Um, so they didn't build it, which, you know, almost feels like they cheaped out. Let's be honest here. Cause yeah. why would, why would La Serena be in any version of Starfleet? That's kind of the whole point of, and then why would 
he, you know, like if he's still in Starfleet, he would be on a Starfleet ship, but why would that ship be La Serena? But let's, you know, let's, it's obvious that uh, it's just the easiest thing to do. So they did that. And maybe the biggest thing, the thing they closed on was Seven and her reaction. Because she doesn't even have, she has nothing, uh, no Borg implant, it looks like. Well, that's the question of, is she in this alternate world even seven? Was she e- right. right. Was she ever or, seven? Yeah. Or is she just Annika? Because we see her wake up. She's just in a nice bed. Um, a pretty big bed, by the way. Um, <laughs> there's, there's, there's no one else there. Uh, we don't know where it is because there's no windows in the room, but it looks nice. And she looks down at a badge, which isn't the Starfleet badge, but could be an alternate United Federation of Planets thing. Um, although there might be an element of the Borg emblem in there, but I think it's more like an alternate Federation. But the big thing is she looks at herself in the mirror and notices, hey, where's Where, my eye? You know, wh- yeah. where's the eye thing? Although you think she would have noticed her hands first, right? Because how could you not notice your hands? But whatever. <laughs> so, um, but, uh, and so she's all Annika, pure, you know, she's Borgless or it's been removed, but there's no sign of it at all. There's no scars. It's, Go. and there's something a lot of fans picked up on that's quick, but when she lifts her hand up, her left hand to where the implant, the kind of eyepiece should be. There's a wedding band. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, well, it goes by fast, um, which is why I mentioned the big beds. Some people are like, "Oh, where's Chakotay?" Uh, who you know? Who knows? But <laughs> look, it looks like you know. So it could be she's married. It's a whole different life, you know. No, I mean, Borg. if she wasn't a Borg, she never met Chakotay. I know, I know, I know. I'm just <laughs> who knows what's going on in this alternate world. But it's there's a lot of change going on. That's assuming they're all in the same alternate world. You know, they could all be in different alternate worlds, but we're kind of assuming they're all in the same alternate world. Yeah, like there is that that VO from Picard saying, I'll get us home together. So I feel like he means those guys from last season. Right. And that and that scene. So we haven't mentioned a couple of people. We do see Rafi. Um, we, uh, we see Elnor. We don't, we kind of know what's going on. The only thing different about them is their hair is a little more, Elnor's hair is definitely crazier. Rafi's hair looks a little frizzier if that's even possible. I love her hair. There's a very brief, uh, shot of Dr. Girardi, but we kind of don't really know just, what's going on there. It's a there. great big close up of her face, right? Right. So we don't sense what's different about her, right. um, at all. Um, we so see Laris. You, oh yeah, Laris. We see with long hair, right? Right, and we don't. Yeah, we don't see Jaban now. He calls out for Laris early on. The press releases have mentioned Orla Brady, who's the actress, and have not mentioned Jamie McShane, who plays Jaban. So I think, even though we kind of consider them a pair, they are splitting him up this season. Mm-hmm. So he's not part of this alternate timeline. Sad. I'll miss him. Maybe he shows up. Who knows? I, we, you know, he's great. So hopefully he does. Um, but you were just mentioning you, you know, we haven't talked about Soji yet. So we see a couple shots of her. I mean, we assume it's Soji. It could be Dodge. 
could be Dodge. She's got a new outfit. looks like a civilian outfit. She's wearing that necklace thing with the two circles as a pin now. She's got some other pin. We don't know what that is, but doesn't look like she's in the Starfleet. We see her in an outdoor location. Now, I know where, you know, just because I live in Los Angeles, like, you could tell where it's at. So she's like surrounded by fountains. So she's in the LA Music Center outside the Dorothy Chandler Pavilion where these wonderful fountains are. And there's another shot that she's not in it, but you could tell is actually from a garden there and the Disney Hall there, which is also part of the Los Angeles Music Center downtown. We know that they were doing shooting downtown and probably the biggest connection to this, which we haven't mentioned yet, they put out a poster too. And it's a contemporary shot of Los Angeles, looking at downtown Los Angeles, aerial shot. They just take the freeways and they turn them into the Delta symbol. But it looks like even though everything else we've described sounds like they're in an alternate 24th century, it's possible the stuff we've seen, we see of Dodge is her in contemporary Los Angeles. Interesting. Because, of course, they use the Los Angeles shooting to stand in for all sorts of things, right? But that poster is unmistakably Los Angeles. Yeah, even I knew it was Los Angeles. And I've only been there maybe a handful of times. And the freeways and the buildings and and not some cool modern Los Angeles, like fairly contemporary. It could be a near future, which they've done on the show. Of course, they're getting close to World War III, so they, it could, they could only go so far, right? But I think what we're dealing with is 2020's Los Angeles is going to be part of the show and possibly a major part. So when you're putting these things together, oh, and there's one other shot that doesn't exactly fit in with everything we see is that we see a shot of Picard at some kind of summit. We see all these flags there and including a Klingon flag and a Ferengi flag. So it seems like a, right. Right. It seems like a, you know, kind of a galactic power summit. It's at Starfleet. He's in an admiral's uniform. So it looks like the stuff kind of like the uniform we saw him in the flashback with him and Rafi right when he quit Starfleet. Remember that? I forget which episode that was last yep. season, but it was 2385, the Romulan refugee crisis. Matt noticed this first, though, is that so it, it's the dress uniform version of that. But it isn't exactly this right because he's wearing the more modern badge, the badge we saw Starfleet wearing in 2399. Right. Hmm. So. So either they made a mistake so this could just be a flashback to the prime timeline where he's just kind of addressing the issues. Could we see Rafi there? She worked with him on the Romulan refugee crisis initiative. But I think, and Matt thinks this too, that what we're seeing here is a what if scenario. What if he didn't quit Starfleet? So this is maybe a year after what we saw before, but in a timeline where he didn't quit. Yeah. No, I mean, that's the vibe that I've been getting is that it is kind right. of a what if. What if uh, sort of it's a wonderful life, but that's sort of specifically about someone not existing. But definitely like a what if this didn't happen and all the repercussions of that. Yeah, there's definitely elements of that because in the voiceover we hear Q say, welcome my friend to the very end of the road, not taken." Right. So we could be seeing in that image, 
you know, in that scene, the beginning of the diversion, because they're not wearing the Starfleet uniform is still very similar. It's, you know, it's not the all black thing with the new badge. So it's possible that something happened in the decades after, you know, because when you're wearing all black, that means you've gone pure evil, right? That's those are the rules. That's how you know. <laughs> you know, maybe if he regrets quitting Starfleet, maybe this shows him, you know, maybe actually that was the best thing for him to do for whatever reason. Yeah. Yeah. There's a, there's a lot to process in that very short teaser trailer. It's possible. We saw nothing in the teaser trailer from the prime timeline is my point. Like everything is an alternate history, even if it's at different points, like Soji was maybe in contemporary times. That one shot of Picard was in from the 2380s. All the other shots were from 2399. Um, but none of them were the prime timeline. So very early on in episode one, because we saw, saw them all warp off together at the end of season one on La Serena, I get a sense that something happens, you know, anomaly or whatever, and they suddenly all find themselves separated. Yep. But they have memories of what's happened. So. Yeah. We'll see. I mean, I have some concerns that because so many elements of that storyline we've seen before. So I don't mean the specifics of where each person is, but the whole sort of alternate timeline kind of idea. So we'll see. And it's, you know, we'll see how much of Q we get. Um, I think you and I both feel the same way about Q, which is a little goes a long way. Um, so I'm a little, a little concerned and a little curious. Yeah, I, certainly if they're doing the time travel greatest hits, we don't need to see that. As I've always said, and I hope that this is personal to Picard. This is tied to his life, like tap, although that's kind of tapestry. Um, so yeah, there's there are concerns. This yeah. could feel reductive. With Q, the biggest question I have is, is he responsible for this? Like, did he, he's like, oh, you regret this? Let me show you what, you know, is, so is he playing that role of showing him this thing? Or did something, some, you know, rift or whatever, is this more, you know, that's the you know, so is it the tapestry model right? right where q says okay let me show you let's try a different path or is it more um like all good things where q wasn't responsible for the weirdness going on but he you know help kind of helped picard by nagging him, him in the right direction yeah yeah Taunting that there him. was some there was some other thing happening and q in a way helped Picard fix it. So is Q the cause or the solution? I mean, if he's the cause, then it's kind of a frustrating experience because he could just fix it. So I'm hoping that he's not the cause. Yes, exactly. You know, because then it's um, almost, you know, it's then then you have a loss in stakes, even if he says it isn't a loss in stakes, the same way a holodeck episode can be less yeah. important. You know, by the way, if you're wondering, no, they didn't give us a release date except to say 2022, which I think they've already said before and we yep. already knew. We still don't know what the order of things are going to be. We know that Lower Decks is chugging along with their third season and Strange New Worlds. Obviously, they're, they're already at episode eight. So, you know, Strange New Worlds 
season one, Picard season two, Lower Deck season three are going to come out in, in some order in 2022. Don't forget Discovery season four. Well, that's 2021. In, yeah. So that's We know but that I the year is going to be the end. I think it'll be right at the end. End of 2021. Yeah. So the beginning of 2022 for probably the first couple months is Discovery and then the other three shows in some order. And we don't know if Prodigy is going to be able to pull off a season two in 2022. My bet would be no, but maybe. They don't also, I don't think they have to worry about the other shows as much because they're counting on a different audience. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And one other thing on Picard, we wanted to make a little correction (laughs) to something that we talked about last week. (laughs) So looping back last week, we, you know, when we said we're going to make a whole big thing out out of a little thing, where it turns out. We just shouldn't have made a thing about it at all. <laughs> so Mark Bernardin was a writer. This is the key the key fact, which was revealed to us this week, is uh, he sent out a tweet last week saying, talking about a conversation he had in the writer's room about how there's a next generation vet in the writer's room. And that made us like, oh, he's talking about Picard. But it turns out he's no longer in the Picard writer's room. He, um, he on his podcast, um, uh, with Kevin Smith, he revealed last in the last week that he actually left the show to go to another show. So he was on Picard season two, which is currently shooting and generated this trailer we've been talking about, but that then he moved on, his contract ended, and he's on this other show, which he can't talk about, which has a next gen writer. And we don't know what that is. Right. Um, so we are sorry. And so we're sorry. All the talk about, oh my God, there's there's a next gen writer. Who is it? Um, none of that. <laughs> none of the above. Yeah. Yeah. Pl- please strike that from the record. <laughs> the ju- the jury should ignore that. Erase entirely. it from your memory banks, people. Yes. Although there's probably some cool show that Mark's working on with the next gen, and who knows, you know. So the, that's not Star Trek, but yeah. some other cool thing. When we find out, we'll tell you. I think that's it for our big news. I think we have a couple of things we want to just let people know about. But is there anything else for those uh, for the big shows? Nada. There's a couple of little merchandise things to mention. We've talked about Star Trek Fleet Command. The mobile game added next generation content last month. For Picard Day, they released some more next generation content, some more missions. They added a couple of new characters, including Picard and Wesley. But the more fun thing is they released yet another expensive promotion um, where they bring in Star Trek stars. And this time they brought in actual next gen stars uh, with LeVar Burton, Jonathan Frakes and Brent Spiner all playing the game, all sitting uh, or Frakes and Spiner are sitting in bridge chairs. And Jordy is the engineer of one of these ships, but none of them are in character. No, they call him LeVar. They say LeVar said he was going to, you know, so. It's fun. So go to the site and check that out. Hero Collector uh, announced something that's also on the site. They're creating a board cube advent calendar. And it looks really cool. Like, that's the thing is you hear board cube advent calendar and you go, what? That sounds dumb. And then you look at the pictures and it's full of cool stuff and it looks really good and i think it it's impressive looking yeah so basically it's a 
It's a cube with 24 little compartments, and inside of each little compartment are little Star Trek gifts and toys and collectibles. So it's just a way to, you know, collect a bunch of little Star Trek things. And the, you know, the, the, they're Star Trek coasters, Star Trek socks, Star Trek espresso mugs, all, you know, all sorts of little things in there. It's 140 bucks, which is pricey, but then you realize you get 24 little Star Trek gifts in there. Well, it's like too pricey to buy for yourself. I feel like it's one of those things that has to be a gift. <laughs> yeah. So that's going to be available in September. You can pre-order it now. Um, and uh, it's just, you know, I'm just, it's, it's a unique Star Trek thing. Yeah. So, cause what says festive and holiday spirit than the Borg collective, right? Yeah. The Borg cube is really the most celebratory thing I can think of. that's why i got my husband a fridge shaped like one he has a little cube fridge that's shaped like a that's a board cube from you know the olden days of what was that site that's gone now geek no come on think geek think geek yeah although the company that made a lot of that think geek stuff is still out there making stuff they have the we did something on them on the site recently they have a a new next generation shuttle shaped tent and you know some other crazy (laughs) stuff so you know the the weirdness lives on even though think geek doesn't excellent another couple quick things we wanted to talk about one is uh wilson cruz of star trek discovery is one of the grand marshals of the new york pride march this year which uh, i'm actually working on um and so i got to write questions for him that was exciting and his intro (laughs) But uh, that's kind of cool. It's something he's wanted. It's a really big deal for him. It's emotional. And I think the big bummer for him is that he has to be in Toronto for it because he's doing Discovery. So he got his big moment, but it's going to be remote. Sorry, Wilson. But he's been doing a lot of interviews about it. He's been on the talk and Today Show and things like that. And that's good for Star Trek because he's promoting the show and its inclusivity. I, I'm looking forward to watching your show, although I guess it's only going to be on the local New York station. Yeah, so. it's local oh. New York. But last year's show was up on YouTube, so you could probably watch it and then you can skip to the good parts. should be fun. I'm excited for it. There's a lot of really cool stuff they have lined up. Anything else before we wrap up? Yeah, there's just some other fun thing that I want to point out. So we do these on social media. We do anniversary posts of a lot of episodes from across the franchise. Sometimes it's like just a big one. Something significant happened. Sometimes it's just one I particularly like. It just depends. But so we did one for the Deep Space Nine episode um, call to arms for its anniversary and pointed out that it was the last uh, episode that was co-written by Robert Hewitt Wolf before he Uh, as a staff writer and that he appeared in it briefly as an injured Starfleet officer. So Iris Stephen Bear, the showrunner of Deep Space Nine, retweeted it and said, "'Twas a sad day, but I still think we could have blowed up Robert Hewitt Wolf real good. And he tagged him instead of saying Robert Hewitt Wolf. And Robert Hewitt Wolf chimes in, it was an honor and a privilege to shed my imaginary blood for Deep Space Nine. I just love that we can kick off these because you know, it's always fun to see these writers and others veterans of star trek um engage with each other on social media and i'm just glad we could have been part of the mix looks like mike akuda got in on the action too he says i still have my ds9 season six dog tag a treasured gift from the show's writers and he has a picture of it 
So I love it. Yeah, I love when we spark these conversations and when people just share either their memories of working on something or their thoughts about it or whatever it is. It's always fun. And I'm glad they noticed because we put a lot of time into these things and these choices we think about and try to find what's the interesting fact to put in there. So I'm happy this uh, this got a good conversation going. So let's go to our Star Trek bits of the week our Trek bits of the week. Um, I'll start off. Yeah, you have a fun one. So, you know, I always love when uh, I like to point to people who bring Star Trek into their professional lives. I've talked about politicians talking about Star Trek in the legislatures and scientists who bring Star Trek into their work. And this week I saw another person who's incorporating her real life and her Star Trek life, which is a showgirl from Las Vegas who's also a big-time cosplayer and a big-time Star Trek fan. So her name is Hazel Honeysuckle. I think that's probably a stage name. You think that's her (laughs) name she was born with? You know, she's in one of the Las Vegas shows. She's a burlesque performer, and she's putting together a coffee table book called Boldly Stripped. Um, (laughs) and And it is what you think it is. Um, it's sexy poses of her cosplaying as all sorts of different Star Trek characters, um, you know, in, in, including um, Dax, uh, you know, in TOS and, and Dorians and all, all sorts of different aliens. There's going to be two versions of this coffee table book. There's going to be kind of a PG-13 version and then a, you know, not full safe on. for work version. Yeah. Full, full on, on, full on version. You know, and I just I just love how people can love Star Trek and bring it into their lives and use their creativity um, to make new things with Star Trek. Hopefully this doesn't run into any issues with CBS. With copyright and sets and costumes and all that. But it does. looks fun. I mean, it's not my genre, so to speak. But uh, <laughs> it looks like she's having a lot of fun with it. Yeah, so the book's going to come out next year. We'll have a link in the show notes to Boldly Stripped. There was a Kickstarter campaign. She was actually a guest on Mark Altman's podcast, and the campaign was funded within a day or two. Uh, and so this thing's really going to happen. And uh, Boldly Stripped, coffee table book. <laughs> well, depending on who you live with, but yeah. <laughs> so what do you got for the week? Mine is uh, related to next week's guest, Mark Altman. Which is uh, the podcasting glorious Trexperts did a great episode with the casting director on the original on Star Trek the original series Joe Diagosta, and there aren't a lot of those guys still around to tell stories. And boy, did he have stories! He talked about Star Trek. He talked about his career, the other things. He also worked on Gene Roddenberry's Pretty Maids all in a row and had a very sad. I don't want to spoil it, but there's a story that was just so sad but he sounds like such a good stand-up guy you know he's married to barbara baldwin who was in uh several original series episodes and he's just you know things were so different back then there weren't polaroids nobody was self-taping there weren't like networks for casting people to talk to each other about the people that they saw so it's if you i love old-timey tv making and old-timey movie making stuff um, and especially when you can work Star Trek into it. So I, it's it's a great listen. I recommend it. It's, I thought that it was, I kept thinking that I had lots more and then it was over. And it's long. So that's a good sign. So it's one of the strengths of Inglorious Trexperts. They bring in people you may have never heard of, or you may have seen their names in the credits. And, and you forget these people worked on these shows. It was their job 
24 seven. And, you know, they have a lot of great stories to tell about Star Trek, even though they're not a writer or producer, you know, there's, there's so many great Star Trek stories to have. And it's one of the best things about Mark's podcast and look forward to talking to him about it next week. And they give insights because they have these people on, they can give insights into what was Gene Kuhn really like, you know, on a day to day basis. And we get a very different view from the same stories that we're used to hearing. So we'll put up a link, go check it out. All right. Well, that's it for another week of all access Star Trek. It was all news this week, but there was so much news this week, but we'll have a guest next week, as we just mentioned. So please come back every Friday. It's all access Star Trek. Thanks for listening. And please go leave us some feedback on the site, please. Bye.